Well, so good to be with you this morning. And um, my wife sends her greetings. It's the first question I always get asked, not, how are you doing, David? How is your wife doing? So I tell people, uh, I have the health and she has the smarts. As you know, she's gone blind in her left eye and even when she was here, she was a bit arthritic and actually when she was here, she fell and broke her ribs. We lived over in the uh, uh, distillery district because we believed in living where we worked. And so she fell in the bathtub, but I was, uh, probably Miss Ty was chasing me around telling me to do different things. But anyways, I was uh, uh, busy and she uh, tried to call me. Of course, that's not back in the day when cell phones were a big thing. But uh, she ended up dragging herself out of the bathtub. She had fallen and slipped and making her way down to the doctor, uh, which wasn't all that far away. And um, from that time on, she got into a program. They said, well, that's pretty bad at your age to be falling and breaking your bones. And so from that time on, she got into an experimental program for uh, dealing with extreme osteoarthritis. It was found she had 35% bone density loss in her lower back and spine. She's still around and doing well, but she said, if I can't climb those stairs, because I'm sure they still don't have an elevator here, uh, then, you know, I can't join you. So, but she sends her greetings, and already I've seen quite a few that I know from my time here, and I'm looking forward to being with you for your 60th anniversary as a church up in the north what do you call it there, north site, plant, depends on your, uh, your you know, place, your deacon and elder or whatever. So uh, good to be with you, and um, I'm excited to be able to do the last overview of the book of Daniel. You know, when I was here pastoring, the elders or the, the, the board, I don't know if you were on that board, Albert was and others, they said, David, could you preach through the book of Revelation? I said, you got to be, thought to myself, you got to be kidding. Who tackles that book? Anyways, I did it. It took me 26 weeks, and I varied between going through topical uh, series and um, books of the Bible. So over, like, I don't know, I, over a year, I preached through the book of Revelation, and right in the middle of it. That was my office up there. One morning, I heard on the radio suddenly that the uh, Twin Towers of New York City had been struck. Remember that? And I thought to myself, well, that's because we didn't evangelize the Arabs. Because it was the, you know, uh, once I found out what was going on. And so eventually, of course, I left here and became the international director of Arab World Ministries. I don't even speak Arabic. Why they chose me, they're all linguists there. Only God knows. So I'm going to ask them that question when I get to heaven. But anyway, um, I do know how to speak Hindi. Mahindi Jantahum. Sablog, Sablog Koshi, 
Are you all happy? Clap if you're happy this morning. <laughs> I just asked you if you're happy, everybody happy. Of course we are because Jesus is in our heart. I see Eric there. Is that Lily? Yeah, so I'm seeing a few people that I haven't seen in quite a while. I enjoyed being with you in May. And I then, during the pandemic, I decided I was going to do more research on the second coming. And I had basically left it alone after I taught the book of Revelation here, except in my daily readings as I worked my way through the Bible, right? And uh, I, I'm more into missions and hastening the coming of the Lord than worrying about when he's coming. And, uh, but I thought, okay, I'm retired now. I'm going to spend more time going back through this stuff. And I ended up teaching in our church uh, online all the final chapters in Daniel that have to do with the second coming. Not the low-hanging fruit like I taught here in, in May, like Daniel in the lion's den, but the complexity of the end times and trying to make sense of it. So in a sense, you're gonna get some of the fruit of that today. I had 70 people sign up, because it was during the pandemic, to take that course online. They were mostly from our church, Bramley Baptist, but it included people from Halifax, Ottawa, Sudbury, and one couple from Switzerland. All that to say I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to the book of Daniel. I'm supposed to laugh. They for, you guys have forgotten my sense of humor. Okay, so here we're going to go. History. Oops, what did we do here? Okay. This is the outline of what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. History is linear and purposeful, not cyclical. So as you look at Daniel as a whole, you see this truth and if you understand the Judeo-Christian concept of history. Secondly, we want to look again at the near and the far fulfillment of prophecy, because prophecy often has two layers, just like you see, if you've been to Niagara Falls, you realize you can look through a, a telescope or a viewfinder like that, and suddenly the distance you see up close. So sometimes, uh, that's what prophecy is like. And the book of Daniel is full of near and far fulfillment of scripture, often two layers of fulfillment. That's what makes it confusing. Number three, Daniel is a perfect model for then and now. It's not ancient history, it's current events. Fourthly, and we're gonna make this very practical, we wanna look about, about in the end times, the necessity of uncompromised holy living. We are in the end times. Anyone disagree with that? Are you all millennial? Maybe you're pre-trib pre-millennial and believe we'll be snatched away before all the trouble begins. Anyways, we need uncompromised holy li living. Fifthly, we need uncompromised witness. Right now, I have 50 contacts who are Hindi, sorry, Hindus, Muslim Sikhs, gay men, and 
they're on my prayer hit list, and some of them I see regularly. Why? Because we're in the end times and we need to be sharing our faith. Not because I'm a missionary or a pastor. What's that got to do with anything? I'm a follower of Jesus. Sixthly, unwavering perseverance. I thought the, the, the Ming and Andrea, the choice of your, I mean, I believe the Holy Spirit directed you to what you chose for worship was spot on, perfectly related to what we're preaching on today. Because many of us are gonna be struggling as we get nearer and nearer the day. And lastly, the ultimate victory of righteousness over evil. Remember what I'm calling this, the eternal kingdom is on the horizon. So we are preparing for the coming of the millennium, the coming of Jesus, the coming of the millennium when we will reign with Christ on the earth and the eternal kingdom which follows. It's all part of the unfolding of the kingdom which is both now happening and yet to come. Okay, so history is linear, not cyclical. Uh, if my brother Daniel was preaching, uh, he's a much more philosophical and brilliant guy than I am. His daughter's sitting here grinning. She doesn't know who's the smartest, her uncle David or her dad. Well, uh, I, it's, it's my brother Daniel. I've never had my quiet time in Greek. Never taught Greek in university. We both have a doctor of ministry degree, so, but you know brothers are not competitive. <laughs> Anyways, um, linear, there's a linear progression in history that implies purpose, and this is, in this, the Judeo-Christian faith is unique. We live in a world where, you know, I was just reading about Sophia Gregoire, or you know, uh, Trudeau's uh, now separated wife, um, and seeing that she's into yoga and all this stuff, which is, I'm not saying it's bad in itself, but it's what it's tied up with. Of course, Hindus believe that uh, this world is illusionary. And in that sense, there's no purpose to history. And you can be reincarnated, but you ask them, how come all your generations, your dad who was the uh, outcast and beat stone boulders, and I've seen this in India under the hot sun into little stones with a sledgehammer, hands all beaten up, and his father did it, and his father did it, but if you lived a good life, your karma should have brought you back into a higher uh, caste, right? Makes absolutely no sense. The same with Buddhism. You don't even have to believe God exists to be a Buddhist. And other re Asian religions, I actually know Islam more than I know any other religion, except Christian faith. It's actually a fatalistic religion. They don't even know they're going to go to heaven if they're a good Muslim. Karma, it, it's about good works, salvation by good works. So it has a very fatalistic view of history. Only Christianity says there's a purpose, there's an end point, and what Daniel was showing 
was not only the purpose for the sweep of these civilizations that he was caught up in for 70 years, but the end of history at the end of time. The God of the Bible is the Lord of history. You've been reminded of that, that all through the study of Daniel, right? And the book of Daniel demonstrates this more than most books of the Bible. In fact, the only other books that I would say compare with it are the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation. And so I was asked by Pastor Ellen, are you sure you want to read this uh, section in... in um, Daniel chapter 2, right? Politely asked me, are you, you know, did I get this right? Well, there's all of history from the time of Daniel in this image. Right there, right? The head of gold is what? The Babylonian Empire. And, da and Daniel was snatched from Jerusalem, taken into exile by King Nebuchadnezzar, right? And that was, as a teenager, he was probably, I don't know if I'm picking, just picking, he was probably the, um, uh, related to King Hezekiah. This is a, a, like a very unusual royal family uh, person, Daniel. And so the head of gold represents the Babylonian kingdom. And then, the silver, the chest of silver, the Medo-Persian Empire, which we also read about in the book of Daniel. So the Medes and then the Persians took over, conquered the Babylonian kingdom, and that kingdom existed between 536 and 330 BC. And what did I do there? And then the uh, chest or the, the midriff of bronze was the Greek Empire between 330 BC and 27 BC. And then the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay was the Roman Empire from 27 BC to 1453. And of course we know that the Western Empire ended up being uh, overcome but the, but the Eastern Empire did not fall until the Muslims took it over in 1453. So you have this very mixed kingdom. And of course, then we know that this is when Jesus was around. And the rock that smashed, smashed the, the statue was the kingdom that has no end. And that's what it's talking about in Daniel chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. Let's just reread that verse. Daniel chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. By the way, I'd like to take Lisa with me whenever I preach. She's the best Bible reader of Scripture that I've ever had read out Scripture for me. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. It's coming from God, right? A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold in pieces. 
The great God has shown the king what will take place. This is Nebuchadnezzar is showing. In the future, the dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. This is the kingdom that has no end. It will endure, verse 44, forever. And so that is the time which we're caught up in today. The kingdom has come, Christ has come, and yet it is not yet fully here. And so that is a nice segue to our next point, which is that just as Christ ushered in, in the kingdom, and the kingdom of God is in our hearts, we now have eternal life, but it is not yet fully realized. And so when people say there's something different about you, am I roaming too far? Um, Maybe I'll just have to shout like I was in open-air preaching in India. Can you all hear me? Okay. So the kingdom is now, but, but when people see you, do they see Christ in you? My wife and I were dropping off some, some uh, uh, clothes to Goodwill last year, and there was an Afghani man there. And is this going to not come online, the Zoom? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, guys. Uh, and, um, and I said, these are all clean. He was loading the truck. He was emptying the thing, picking them up. And he said, uh, oh, there's something different about you. And I said, well, I've, I'm older. I got a shining head. And uh, he said, no, there's something different about you. He's an Afghan Muslim, not very long in Canada. And I said, wait till you see my wife. No, I didn't say it that way, but she was sitting in the car. So I said, come on over. So he came over to her and he looked at her and he said, well, something's different about you. I said, that's because she has green eyes. I just have brown. And uh, he said, no, she's shining, smiling. You know my wife, gentle smile. And so she got talking to him and I thought to myself, while you're talking to him, I'm going to go in my, under my front car seat on the other side. And I have New Testaments in different languages. I've given away about 100 of them during the pandemic, other literature as well. And I brought back a New Testament in modern English for him. And I said, have you re ever read the Angel? You mean the story of Jesus? No, he said. Would you like to read it in the Bible? Yes, for sure. I said, well, that's who we follow, Jesus, mentioned 96 times in the Quran, Yeshua Messiah. And he left us and went right back and put it inside his cab of his truck. And he said, you're good people. If followers of Jesus are like you, I'm going to read this New Testament. So do people see Jesus in you? He's here in us. Kingdom is here and now, and similarly with prophecy, it has a near and far fulfillment. Daniel is quoted 113 times in the New Testament, mostly in the book of Revelation, but also by Jesus in Matthew 24, 15. I'm sure you looked at that earlier about the events of the end times. Now, I've had the privilege of 
actually preaching in every province of Canada and in different Bible colleges and seminaries in my work in missions. And I've had the privilege of going both ways across the Rockies by land. Which side is this from in the picture? You see an oil well in the foreground? That means it's from Alberta. And as you go into the Rockies, some of you have been there, many of you probably, and, um, and, or flown over it. But as you're going by land, you see the foothills and it gets a little bit bigger. You think, boy, boy, I'm up in the mountains. And then you go further and you think, what? That is really the mountains. I was just in the foothills. That's what prophecy is like. There's a near and far fulfillment of prophecy. And so, over a span of 70 years, Daniel witnesses the rise and fall of the Babylonian Empire and the return of the Jews to Palestine. And while he wanted just to see God fulfill his promise to return the Jews to Palestine, the angel Gabriel indicated that he had more important things to tell him concerning the end times. Correct? And so... Actually, because we are in the end times right now, we have a lot we can take on board from the life of Daniel, okay? So Daniel is a perfect model for then, the world he lived in, for the Jews who looked at him. We want our leaders to be models, right? Not say, do as I say, but not as I do. Got enough politicians like that. So Daniel is a perfect model for then and now. His life in Babylon spanned the reign of three kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and Darius, Cyrus, and two global empires. We're seeing a shift of the global empire of America right now to China, maybe. But kingdoms come and go. We think, oh, America's still got half of the world's GDP. It's never going to change. Don't kid yourself. And in the end times, everything's going to go as we said in the UK, pear-shaped. So Daniel sought wisdom in his prayer with all three kings. Now let's go back to uh, again in Daniel 2, and I'm going to read verses 17 to 23. So there it says, And Daniel returned to his house after this terrible decree was passed, and explained the matter to his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where there's his, their Jewish names there. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven. The God of heaven. He knew the God of heaven concerning this mystery. You know, we got to discover what this mystery is so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel because God answers prayer in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, wonderful prayer. He knew his God. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. It doesn't belong to Babylon. The Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, it belongs to God himself. 
He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and opposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made me known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So Daniel sought wisdom. In these last times, we need to seek what? Wisdom to know, discern the times we live in, to know how we should then live. He knew his God well, and you can look at the quality of his prayers again in chapter 9, verses 4 to 19. We won't go into that. Another great thing about Daniel, he didn't forget his brothers in the faith. And during the end times, there's going to be pressure put on God's people because nothing Satan likes to attack more than the unity of the saints, of God's people. And so we need to stick together. Look what he does in chapter 2, verse 49. So, moreover, so, so in verse 48, the king places Daniel in a high position, right? And makes him uh, ruler over the entire province of Babylon. Amazing, amazing. And placed him in, in charge of all of its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. In Galatians 6, verse 10, it says, Do good to all people, especially those who are of the household of faith. So we need to stick together during these end times. Right now in the growth group, or small group, I don't know what you call them here, cell groups, we have three widows. Linda and I are the only white people in our small group. We have one widow who's gotten into a mess because the mortgage on her house is way out of control, a variable rate. So we're banding together as a small group to help her out, loan her some money, try to get her credit back on a good rating. We are looking after each other in our small group. Are you looking after not just your nuclear immediate family or your family of relatives, but what about others in the household of faith? We have so many international students coming into Brampton without a job, sent by their families, from India in particular, and they're in trouble. They're in trouble. So do good to all people, but especially those or of the household of faith. So Daniel searched the scriptures. He was, um, he was in the word. He was in prayer. He's a perfect model for then and now. And knew from the book of Jeremiah that the 70 years in exile were about to end. And you see that, as you've already studied it, in the ninth chapter, verses 2 and 3. He was also a great intercessor. We see that in chapter 9, 23, 10, 2, and 3, and in verse 12. This, uh, I'm not going to take the time to read through that. But, by the way, these PowerPoints will probably get onto your website. I don't know, so. Um, 
uh, I, I went, I'm, I'm, I'm not matching my uh, thing properly here, but that last verse I want to read out for you, Daniel 12, 10. Many, and we've read that today, many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. Ten times, none of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. Who are the wise people? People in the word who know their God, who are people of prayer, who are uncompromised in their faith. And we see that, of course, and I taught that when I came Daniel chapter 6. Um, but I want to look at it from this point of view, brothers and sisters. Today we need uncompromised holy living. Daniel 1.6 says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the king's food and wine. Still a teenager, just arriving from Jerusalem, probably castrated, so he was probably made a eunuch and still following his God. And then it says in chapter 5 verse 17, another sign of his uncompromised righteous behavior. Of course he's uh, answering another you know, great uh, request of the king to analyze his dream, etc. And then he said in chapter 5, verse 17, because the king wants to lavish all sorts of blessings on him for his help, he said, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. People always try to get a leg up on you. if You're not careful. In these end times, we have to be careful that we don't get compromised. Oh, you can have this job if you work 60 hours a week. Meanwhile, your marriage is falling apart. Yeah, maybe, or a promotion. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you do without discerning what God's will is. Be in the prayer and the abundance of counsel is much wisdom too. So be a man of the word, a man of prayer. Live an uncompromised holy life. Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, this is one I spoke on last time I was here in late May, he went home to his upstairs room. Here you see him pictured in this room. Of course, this is a fake photograph. Uh, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Why was he praying towards Jerusalem? Because that's what they were told to do. When you're away from Jerusalem, you pray towards Jerusalem. So he's just following the word of God. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he has done before. Didn't matter whether they're going to throw him into the lion's den or not. He didn't know it at this point. But he lived an uncompromised holy life. And that's what God is calling you to live in our generation. Uncompromised witness. In chapter 3, of course, you learned about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused to bow before the image of Nebuchadnezzar and were cast into the fiery furnace, but God protected them miraculously. 
They were not afraid to live, stand up for their faith. Will you stand up for your faith? What about everyone in China right now? What of everyone around many parts of the world where you cannot openly follow Jesus? Would you stand for your faith if you were in that situation? Don't think none of this is ever going to come here. We're living in an unreal bubble in, this, in North America. Chapter 4, Daniel predicts the king will become like an animal unless he... Re Imagine telling the king you're going to be groveling on the ground unless you repent. Would you do that if you were put in that situation? Chapter 5, he calls a spade a spade with King Belshazzar. I'm not going to go into that now. I need to keep moving on here. Chapter 12, verse 3, again, this idea of witness. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who do what? Lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Are you sharing your faith? I have 50 contacts. Muslims, Hindus, gay people, Sikhs, in the building where I live, in Brampton, where I go running, and I don't look for it, I just seize the day when I'm given the opportunity. Those who lead many to righteousness in the end times are going to shine like the stars forever and ever. Are you willing to stand for, are you sharing your faith? Are you kind of, well, I, I believe in diversity and, you know, I believe, you know, it's all good. It's all good. Unfaltering perseverance. He understood spiritual warfare. We don't have time to get into all these verses, but you can look these up on your own. Daniel 12, 32 and 33 says, the people who know their God will resist, firmly resist him. Who's him? The Antichrist. Those who are wise, again the word wise, reading the word, understanding the times for him, will instruct many, though for a time they will fall by the sword or be burned or captured or plundered. When they fall, they will receive a little help and many who are not sincere will join them. Some of the wise will, be, will stumble. Let's talk about the end times now. Some of the wise will stumble so that they may be refined. Some of us will stumble when push comes to shove, but if we're truly the child of God, we will persevere just like Peter, who denied his Lord, we'll come back. God always forgives. God always forgives. He never gives up any who are truly his, even though we may compromise our faith in a bad way. Many will stumble so they may be refined, not cast into hell, purified and made spotless until the time of the end, for it will come at the appointed time. Jesus is returning exactly when he, the Father tells him it is time to come back. Sorry, I, I didn't turn it up there. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5, again talking about the end times. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Ask yourself, does this sound familiar as I read the news, as I see the world around me? People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, 
unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure. Oh, we just need to go outside this weekend, right? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with them. Wow. Unfaltering perseverance. Now, I'm reading this Adelie devotional called Extreme Devotional, and I'm going to read you, uh, because this is a Chinese, ethnically Chinese church, I'm going to read you this story about this lady. It says here, she said, I purified my heart of the fear of men, and I learned to see God. Mi Ling was young when she was arrested for her Christian activities in communist China. During times of interrogation, the police would torture her to try to force her to betray friends in the underground church. At first, Mi Ling was extremely fearful and she could not see the purpose that God had for her in that terrible place. But then she remembered the teachings of her pastor who had said, real suffering lasts only for a minute and then we spend eternity with our awesome God. When asked how she was able to keep from going crazy during these terrible times, she replied, when I closed my eyes, I could not see the angry faces of the men or the instruments of pain they were using. I kept repeating the promise of Christ to myself, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they shall see God. I also found that when I purified my heart of the fear of men, I learned to really see God. I took courage from all the others who had gone before me and focused on him until everything else faded away. When the officials learned of my defense, they taped my eyelids open, but it was too late because my vision was secure. Those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. Now, <laughs> I believe this and because I'm not your pastor, I can get away with teaching this. I actually think this is what your pastor, Kevin Hauser, believes. We've had a couple of interesting conversations. I'm premillennial, as the AGC is. I believe in a literal interpretation of the scripture as much as possible, but I'm not pre-trib premillennial. That's a, that only came into existence in the early 1800s. The early church believed that the church would have to go through at least some of the persecution, some of the seven-year period. We're reading about it again today, right? So if you look at the first half, three and a half years, that's up to the midpoint of the seven-year period. And then at the midpoint, that's what it's talking about in the chapter we read today. The Antichrist is revealed in the rebuilt temple of some sort. The church is not yet raptured. It's the time of the fifth and the sixth seal. The Jews are persecuted first. Then all of us who are still alive at that time, we don't know when that's exactly going to take place. We will be persecuted. It's talked about in Revelation chapter 12. It's talked about in the book of Daniel. And it's talked about by Jesus in Matthew 24. And at some point in the second half, Christ will return for the, to take the church away. 
That's called the pre-wrath rapture of the church. The wrath of the church is when Christ returns with the church at the end of the seven years, the day of the Lord's wrath includes the, the uh, blowing of the trumpets and then the tipping over of the bowls. The church is out of the way at that point, but it does have to go through the seal judgments. And then we come back and the battle of Armageddon ensues. That's what I believe. But the ultimate victory of righteousness over evil is not in doubt, is not in doubt. Daniel 11:27 says the end will come at the appointed time. Daniel 12, second half of verse one and two says there will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then, when we're not in it yet. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found in the book, will be delivered. What's that talking about? It's talking about the rapture. And so here it is visualized. Seven years, or, uh, the same thing you had there. The seven years begins, the Antichrist defiles a rebuilt temple, terrible suffering for Jews and then all believers on earth the rapture of the church, the unleashing of trumpet and bold judgments, the return of Christ with the church and angels, the defeat of the Antichrist as the nations gather, and Satan at the Battle of Armageddon, the Antichrist and his sidekick are cast into Hades for a thousand years, as is Satan. Satan is given a final chance at the end of the thousand years to prove that he's wrong, God's right, He's cast into hell, zapped. Then there's a resurrection of the unsaved. We're already resurrected. And the final judgment, the great white throne judgment. And then the saved go into heaven, which is on earth, a reconstituted earth. And all unbelievers down through history will go to hell. The chronology of events and history is all delineated in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 28, and I don't have time. I wanted to read it today, but you can look that up. It's also described in different ways in the book of Revelation and Matthew 24, which I actually took, taught a course on for five weeks. The words of Jesus on the second coming and in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. So what difference does all this make? So I want to look as we end now, takeaways. You've probably got some already. God shares his authority with human beings. And if you've ever got my book, The Stone Crusher's Daughter, which is out of print, all 3,000 copies sold, by the way, and not reprinting it, even though I've had requests to reprint it, busy writing another one now called, called Divine Encounters of a Strange Kind, which will only be 50 pages because people don't read anymore, uh, all about my contacts during the pandemic. Um, but in that book, I talked about the great value of what it means to be made in the image of God. You realize how precious it is that we have all the cr 
creatures have that unique relationship with God. He shares his purposes with us. He, he told human beings, be fruitful, multiply, and fulfill the earth, right? It's the only command we ever obeyed, by the way, especially the Indians and the Chinese. Please excuse my political incorrect, incorrectness, but he did it with Adam and Eve. He, he shared his authority, right? He did it with Nebuchadnezzar. He did it with Daniel, and he wants to do it with you. He's looking for people in the end times, these end times, whom he can trust to handle responsibility and pressure now so that later on when the kingdoms of this world are handed over to the saints of the Most High God, their rule will be exercised under his rule. Make no mistake, how you live today will affect your place in the scheme of things during the thousand years and your eternal rewards in heaven. You're saved by grace. All of us who truly repented of our sins and put our faith in Jesus to be our Savior and Lord, we are saved. We'll never get unsaved. We will not take the sign of the beast in the end times. We will not. But are you ready now? Are you where you need to be now? Before that, those at the end will have to suffer greatly. The people of God will have to face the same decisions Daniel and his friends did. Are you ready? Those who are wise are those who know their God, know his plans and his ways, instruct others in the ways. I'm sharing my faith, right? Are you? Including new believers and discipling them and remain faithful even at the cost of their own lives. Are you ready? Daniel is not about ancient history, but about current events. Are you ready? And lastly, there will be a time when you must face Jesus. Have you accepted him? Some of you may be here today, but you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Do you want to face his coming again without having made that choice? Are you ready? Today could be the day of your salvation. Amen.